Welcome to Crowding the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm pretty Wolf. Ooh, we got a one for you that was a replacement to something else that we had already set out to do. We had already watched the other movie and we got, we, we collectively got together and said, I don't know about this. <laughs> so we got too teary eyed. Couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I would have sobbed all the way through it. Yeah. It was a, it was for Norm, many reasons. It was a Norm McDonald <laughs> thing and we didn't, we were, we were, it just it was working out timing wise for us to do it. And then we kind of like, we both kind of like, ah, you know what, this is going to be more of a, a, a memorial kind of thing and be less about the movie. And we're like, ah, let's not do this. We both had a, you know, uh, head run-ins with Norm in our lives. It was going to be too sad and it was too fresh and everything. But so we decided to do what we're doing today. And you've already looked at the at your app. We are doing Colossal from 2017. What premiered in 2016 at Toronto International Film Festival. Didn't hit uh, theaters until April of 2017. And that's when I saw it at the Arclight, RIP Arclight, for now anyway. For now. This movie begins and ends, and you're going to hear us throughout the whole episode with Anne Hathaway's performance. Yep. Anne Hathaway has this, I don't get this fucking hate, dude. I don't get it, you know? Anne Hathaway should be in everything, man. That's how I look at it. <laughs> I agree. Also in this, Dan Stevens, who I just fucking think he's fantastic and everything. Tim Blake Nelson, as you pointed out, <laughs> almost unrecognizable in this. For everybody in this is just, they're, they're in it the right amount of time. But Anne Hathaway, dude, she's just as fantastic in this part. And her arc is so good. It's just so good. And I think a lot of people, women and men, can both relate to the kind of struggles that her character Gloria has. Her specific problems are just like, she's just kind of lumbering through life, not, you know, not knowing who the fuck she is and half-assing her career and everything. I want to, I want to ask you a question. Is, is this movie really like an allegory for 12 step? I kind of think, I kind of think it is, especially with yeah, that last scene, I mean, right? Yes. I, I, I mean, can't, I can't think that's not what it is. Um, I'm going to say, I can't think that's not what it is either. <laughs> I mean, not that it's, you know, I mean, it's not like it's super in your face, but if you're paying attention and you're watching it, well, yes. I mean, I kind of think that's what's going on here. The, the one sheet that's on, if you look at the Wikipedia, that's the one sheet that I saw. And the teaser trailer for it, I watched it again after I watched the movie. And I've seen this movie four or five times. Look at the one sheet. You think, I want to see this movie. But, uh, you know, since we both watched the movie, we kept sharing one sheets and, and DVD covers and like, what the fuck is this movie? No, both of us had already seen it. So when we're sharing these one sheets, are like, I would never watch that movie. <laughs> what is that movie? And we can't help but not talk about the, the, the other lead in this. And that is Jason Sudeikis. And I guess wasn't this, Jason his first, Sudeikis. this is his first dramatic role, right? At least, at least in a co-lead, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the, it was kind of the first time that, you know, I didn't think of him as a funny guy because he's, right. I mean, he's doing solid work. He's not yucking it up. He's really good in it. I mean, is he, lead, he is kind of the leading man in this movie, although it's, it's kind of weird because it's really her movie. And I feel like all the guys in the movie kind of have equal time. I mean, Sudeikis' character is more integral to the plot. Right. Uh, as Oscar, as the story goes, Gloria and Oscar's story. But it, it's weird because, I mean, he is the lead, but just barely, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. And Dan Stevens, once you, sh you have the whole interaction with her and Dan at the beginning, because Dan Stevens plays her, her boyfriend, and eventually she goes back to her hometown after they she just kind of gives up on it. He, he gives up on her because she's always a part. She's, a, she's dealing with some major alcoholism as we're kind of 
brushing on a moment ago. It's kind of like breakfast at Tiffany's if Holly Golightly had been kicked out and moved to the country. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to say too, and I think the more times I watch, I realize that Dan Stevens' character is kind of a controlling dick bag. But she kind of has that, that that's, a, that's a cycle for her. She right. has to break. Right. I mean, because is Oscar any better? Nope. And we, we discover that quickly. So this movie's about addiction in general. Right. And, and Oscar does the same kind of shit that Dan Stevens' character does. He sees her struggling. He's got this animosity towards her and, and uh, Oscar has towards her. And it's kind of one of those things like, hey, you were doing well here. You ran away from this town. Remember you disappeared? Remember that? And he, you realize he's holding something over her. And it's kind of in passing because it's more of a, initially it's more of a statement about Gloria and how she's so affected by her alcoholism is when you know, they had the discussion about her, mo- his mom being, have, having passed away. And he's like, yeah, you, you were still here. You were at the you funeral. You were at the funeral. Yeah, totally. Right there, you realize that, oh man, so she's kind of a problem to, for, to everybody that she has in her life, not just to herself. You don't realize until later on that the things that he said to her earlier in the movie were leading her down this path of where he was going to, let all of his anger and frustration from their childhood come out. Here's the thing. We've seen Anne Hathaway play in a lot of different parts. We've seen her be happy. We've seen her recently play a witch. And we've seen her play somebody completely out of control, like Havoc. That's the one. This is the first time she's very nuanced in a lot of her roles. Even, I mean, even in Princess Diaries, but this is like, she's like, she really just steps into this role. Now, when she signed on to it, they didn't even have any money for this movie yet. That's how into the script she was. How did she get overlooked for this? I mean, she was, is, is, did she get overlooked by her peers because she kind of had that? Is that where the, the disdain for her starts is in the business and it's kind of spread out towards, towards the audience or is it the audience feeling that way and, 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 and the town is reacting accordingly? I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I just know like when you usually, when you mention Anne Hathaway, somebody's like, Oh, uh, right. I think she's good and everything. I don't know. I don't know uh, why people don't like her. But Rachel getting married. Yeah. Love and other drugs. She's great. And oh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I think so she's good. Yeah. I mean, I think she's a great actress. I mean, uh, you know, she can be funny. She can be smart ass. She can be, you know, she can, she, she, I, I think she's great. She can play. A multitude of roles. She's not the same thing every time you see her. Right. We we talked about you know we we actually we don't talk a lot about about Christopher Nolan movies for a lot of reasons because plenty of people talk about them. But since we're talking about Anne, again, she does not. She's not a big repeater of of roles. This is the same kind of vibe, man. And I, what was the comparison I saw? Godzilla meets Lost in Translation. Which yes, that's what uh, that 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 was somebody's re- review, right? I right, think. right. Uh, which is kind of funny because <laughs> this movie pre-production got into some trouble with uh, Godzilla owner Toho for using a, a photograph of Godzilla in their initial uh, attempts to get an initial art to try to get a uh, financing for the movie. I thought that was kind of funny. This when you get to Andy's, it's always about performance. Andy's Andy's like this, or and just like in Lost Lost in Translation, it's all about the performance. But the loss in translation does lean a bit, quite a bit on the uh, the location to add some extra beauty to it. This is this is similar because 
and the but you're 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 seeing the old town gloom that she's having to go back to, and it it speaks so much to who Gloria is and her life just clouded and directionless. I mean, she gets back to her old town, and and then Oscar is taken over his father's business, which is a bar. Yeah. When you're an alcoholic, this is like the worst job you could possibly have or the best job you can possibly have if you're that destructive of a person. One of the things too, what's curious about the movie is how slow it kind of, it's a, it, I don't want to say it's a slow burn, but it has a, it, it takes a bit to get going. But once It does it, have a deliberate pace. Yes. You, you don't feel like you spend too much time reintroducing her to her town and the people there and I mean, who does she know in town? It's only Oscar. She doesn't even know Oscar's friends. She's been gone from the town that long that he's the only person that, that she knows. Well, yeah, which I thought was kind of weird. It also kind of made me think, like, is she really even from there? Is this all some like fucking head trip that's not really even? Yeah, there, there's definitely times where you're wondering. And I saw one I saw it in the theater because it's an indie movie, so you're automatically thinking, all right, is this really in her head? Is she really in rehab? Is she detoxing? Sure. That's exactly. something I thought quite a bit when I saw the movie the first time. Right. Because it's so weird. <laughs> it's well, it a- also, the, the way it starts with the little girl and her mother in the park looking for a fucking doll. Yeah. 30 years earlier. And you see nothing. You just. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then once it's kind of revealed what's going on and. and it still doesn't make any sense. It's, yeah, to get this relationship between Gloria and this monster that's hap- that shows up randomly in, in Seoul, Korea. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely true. Even down to the very end, even when it's revealed of why this is even happening or, or, or what is happening, you still wonder why, how. Who, when, what? The flashback though, like I mentioned earlier, just to get into that part a little bit more with Oscar and Gloria when their kids walk into school, that part is probably my, it's, it's almost like an origin story moment where it feels very superhero-y. When you see that moment, right? When child, you know, young Gloria takes that lightning bolt to the top of her head. Yes. To me, it's like a, when you see that happen, it's a moment of strength. Like the, the universe has given her the strength to fight back. But then from that point forward, she just goes right back to being who she is and being kicked around. It's a weird dynamic that you, you think that that moment where the lightning bolt hits, that that was, would resurrect who she is and, and that strong person coming from the point of fighting back. And it's just, just not what it is. It actually just makes her resort, just gets her out of that situation right there. And then fast forwards and you know, she's the rest of her life to, to today where she's just all fucked up in the head still. Right. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird, it is a weird movie and it's like, I don't even know if anything gets resolved by the end of the movie, honestly. No, especially with that. Yeah. The last scene doesn't resolve shit. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, they're, they're absolutely. So it, it's, and it, but I kind of am okay with that because everything in life doesn't always get resolved. So I don't need my, I don't need everything to have a bow on it at the end of the movie. Right. You know, my only complaint with this movie is it's about 20 minutes too long. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I am not one to like, fuck. I don't feel like I'm not getting stuff in this movie. Like that's the thing, right. With most indies is, you know, that for time's sake or the fact that you get 22 days or 25 days to shoot something, right. you know, that something is going to get cut while you're shooting or it's going to get nipped or something else is going to get cut. And then you're going to have to cut something else because now it no longer makes sense in the edit, all that. Uh, but I feel like this movie 
the director obviously, like you said, probably had final cut on this movie yeah. because it feels like everything he wanted to tell you is in there, right. but not necessarily needs to be in there. I believe that. That, that that's my only knock is it's just a little too long. Like I, the, the third act could have, they, you know, they could have tightened up that first act. <laughs> Second act's pretty breezy. And then the third act tweaked that a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, I do, I like the spectacle of it. Also, I kind of like the fact that I don't really hundred percent know what's going on. Like I, I'm like, I can't, it's not a movie I could put my finger on and be like, okay, that's what's going on. Cause you know, usually what you're watching. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. He fucking found a radioactive ship under the ocean and this fucking fish turned into a monster. Yeah. But it's not that. And, and the thing is, it's, it's, you accept it. You, like you're saying, you accept that it's not, it's not, it doesn't have a finite point to it. Yeah. Um, I still, even to the very end, because of the last scene, I still feel it's, you know, her coming out of rehab. Sure. You, you know, I mean, it really, it very much could be. I mean, like it makes a lot of sense with what we're seeing and go, and you know, I mean, dude, she could be in one long therapy session for all I know, or she's, you know, she's, she's in an AA meeting and she's just talking and we're just seeing it. Right. We're just seeing her story from her sitting in a chair somewhere. I'm Gloria. I'm an alcoholic. Here's my story. You know I mean? Especially the way it ends when she says the bartender. She goes, I got to, yep. well, I have a story for you. And, and <laughs> bartender. Right. You like a drink? And then it's just. <laughs> or I was waiting for her to rip her face off and actually be the monster and just bite the bartender's head off. Yeah, that would be great. You know, hey, you want to see something really scary? I love how they don't resolve how she throws him. Right. Like, <laughs> Because the, they're doing this moment where they're they're intercutting back and forth, where Gloria is in Seoul now, and she realizes that you know when she ends up going to Seoul because she realizes that maybe I go, or she thinks that maybe if I go to Seoul, I can control control things from here from in a, in a reverse way if I'm in the same location as the robot, and she does that, and of course her monster counterpart shows up in the old town and her her small town where Oscar is wreaking havoc at the playground, which is the Ironically, the square area that once they step in at 8.05 in the morning where they're at, the monsters appear in Seoul. When she has that showdown with them, they're intercutting with the old town and Seoul. And then there's a moment where she, her monster in the old town picks up, <laughs> this was so great, picks up Oscar from the playground. And the only thing we see is back in Seoul of her throwing the robot and we into God knows where into the distance because we see that flashback of how she is with, with Oscar when she's kids, man, you know what? The more I, the more we talk about, the more I really feel like, yeah, she's just detoxing. Right. And yeah, it's, I think, and she's just finally letting go of the things that brought her so much trouble in her life. You know, is Oscar, I mean, does she even see Oscar when Dan comes to see her, you know, is that really happening in, in, in her, in her head? Maybe like she figures that Dan's going to come rescue her. I don't know. It's definitely a movie built. Um, the, the premise is what kind of brings you in, but it's the performances that really kind of keep you intrigued. And, and the more you realize that it, the, the less the spectacle of what's being put in front of you is really the, the center of of the story. I think it's really about people and how we deal with trauma in our lives and where that trauma can lead. Cause it's all about the, it's all about the human interaction. It's not about the, the monster and it's not about the kaijus in this. It's about 
just how you deal with life and how life can fuck with you. It's a, it's not a straightforward movie either. That's no. the thing. And I think what people were expecting was this to be more of like either a straight up kind of Godzilla knockoff or, you know, sort of along the lines of Cloverfield. Right. Or it was going to be more of a comedy because Sudeikis is in it. And also, you know, Anne Hathaway, you know, she's, she does those light sort of comedy that with Devil Wears Prada, the interns, because she, you know, she has that sort of, you know, not, she's not a comedian, but she is funny. She can play, you know, she, she can do both. So I, I guess, you know, it's funny because I didn't know anything about this movie, really. I mean, other than when it, I remember when it hit like Hulu, <laughs> like right. in 2018, uh, that was the first time I'd see. I mean, I, I'd, I'd heard about the movie, but I think I just never, I don't remember when it came out. I, but I remember, you know, I think you and I had talked about it. And then when I was uh, getting ready to go do Till Death, I, I watched it because I was like, oh, well, fuck, I should check it out. And the, the premise sounded cool. And I love Anne Hathaway. You know, so I watched it. God, I don't know. That was in October 2019. So it had already been out for three years, I guess. Yeah. But I, I can only guess that like the dismal box office of it all was either A, with marketing wasn't good or people just whiffed on what what the movie was like they're like oh it's not really a monster movie i don't know why it's it's funny because it seems like the kind of thing that should have caught fire it's besides some things i don't want to reveal about the movie because i don't want to ruin it but yeah it's weird man it's it's one of those things you would you the cast it's well made and it's 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 definitely off the beaten path it's not the uh you know, you're not getting the same, same old movie again. Maybe it's collateral damage with, you know, like people talking about, you know, unless, it, unless people are wearing spandex and capes and you make the same movie 37 times, people don't, they don't have a lot of attention for anything that they have to, that requires a lot of thought. I, I don't know. Well, you know, neon was the distributor on this and it, and it, I feel like most neon movies kind of find their way to streaming platforms pretty quickly unless they've, you know, unless they find some real support uh, in the indie cinema side of things. And Arclight's a big, Arclight, Lemley, those types are really big on promoting, um, especially at that time. Because I mean, like I said, that's where I saw it. I, and I think I saw it before it went wide. I think even though it opened April 7th, I think we saw it like in March of 2017. And it didn't take very long. I mean, it didn't take very long before it hit Hulu. I think it would hit Hulu in a, within a few months. It wasn't very long. Like you talk about, it's, I think it was kind of the beginning, I don't want to say the beginning of the end of indie, but the way indies were being handled. This is one of those movies, like we were talking about before, where, it, you know, when Anne signed on, there was no money for it yet. But she was intrigued by the, the script and the idea and everything, and she wanted to go forward with it. But when a movie is like this, where you're trying to find the money for it, you end up with all those investors. In this case, there's six investors. <laughs> That's, there's a lot of uh, company logos at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. And then there's, there's also investors who aren't even on that list. Right. You know, there could have been a better job done on promoting it. Um, Cause when you talk about Colossal, they go, what the hell is that? In in a lot of ways, the name really doesn't work. It, regardless of if you talk about it being a movie about, <laughs> about the, mo- about, about, about a giant monster or are you saying Colossal as in a Colossal fuck up in your life? Who knows what exactly what they're going for with, with this, with the puppet aspect of Gloria to her monster and Oscar to him and his life. You have to wonder, like, does it have a double meaning? It's still, even if it does have a double, the title has a double meaning, it doesn't quite work with either. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of a better title for the movie anyway, but. Yeah, no, I can't either, man. I think that the, tri- the title is great. 
it, it kind of adds. And I, by the way, I love the fact that I mentioned the one sheet earlier where Gloria's character has this thing where she scratches the parting in her hair a lot, right? And smack dab in the middle of her skull. And, you, and that's when she first discovers <laughs> that there's some kind of miming going on between the, the monster and soul when he shows up and her, her, her actions where she realizes she's maybe a puppeteer to, to that monster. There's a lot of moments in there where you feel like, like the, this poster, you're scratching your head going, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> the, the performances, especially Anne's, like we talked about already a num number of times, her performance kind of draws you away from caring about the missing points of the, the story or the not, some of the nonsensical confusion that you're getting from some information that's not being given to you. Who knows? But the performances are so good in it that you don't care so much. And then you're kind of coming back around going, wait, what, what's going on again? You get lost in, in Gloria and, and her troubles. I don't know, man. It's a... <laughs> Like we talked about before you got on mic, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, but the, I feel like the more times I've seen it since that first initial screening a few years ago, four years ago, that it's a, I don't know, it's tough to kind of kind of wrap your head around. I still don't know what the hell the movie's about. <laughs> no, me neither. I mean, I, I, you know, I feel like it's, it's one of those movies. It, it can be about whatever you want it to be. Like, right. If you want to see it as some kind of goofy fantasy movie, but I think it's, I think there's way more to it than that. For those of you who are paying attention and, you know, are actually, you know, watching and listening to what's happening, there's, there's a lot more to it than that, than it just being some fanciful, offbeat, quirky monster movie, Anne Hathaway doing goofy stuff and making a, you know, monster dance on the other side of the world. It's not that, uh, you know, and again, dude, she is just so fucking likable and so... Yeah. And, and you know she's a disaster, but you still like her because we've all known people, we've all known her, we've all known Gloria, like at some point in our life, right? Yep. Or you know somebody like that. And, uh, you know, and I, again, unabashed Anne Hathaway fan. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll pretty much watch anything with her in it. And this movie, I like it because it is offbeat and off kilter. And it, and it can't be packaged. I can't, I can't put a stamp or a label on it, which is a thing I love. And, I, and it doesn't wrap it up in a nice bow at the end, which is also a thing I appreciate and love. You can definitely tell this is the director's vision. And, you know, he was pretty much left alone and was able to do what he wanted, which is great. Yeah. Nacho has, he has a kind of tone. Time, Time Crimes is the first movie that, that a lot of us are aware of his work. And then after this, um, for, uh, you know, for uh, Blumhouse's uh, Hulu uh, series, uh, what the fuck is Into the Dark? What the fuck was it called again? <laughs> but he, the first one of the first things he did was Puka. In a lot of ways, Puka is a spiritual sequel to this movie because it's it's some it's it, it deals with a person, a lead character in there that's has an existential moment in his life where he has to make a decision to make a left turn or a right turn. And Colossal is a lot like that. And and Puka, again, spiritual sequel. And it's technically, I think it's funny because they call it a TV movie, but it's on Hulu if you want. They're both on Hulu right now if you want to watch them. Yeah. Be an interest, it would be an interesting uh, a pairing, back-to-back -back pairing. He's definitely got it for the for being a, a, a Spanish filmmaker. Usually you'll see very much, very visually, I mean, Time Crimes is a fucked up movie. And they've been trying to remake that thing for years which is an American version of it, but I wish to, I'm glad it hasn't come to me because 
the grittiness and, and the end of the, the super indie low budget vibe to it just works for that kind of story. But Puka is the same, you know, the same way as Colossal and that it's, it's, it's all about, you know, somebody coming to, to a fork in the road in their life and having to make a decision. Do I keep going the direction I'm going or do I make a turn? Yeah. Nacho's really big on that kind of film and that this speaks to the kind of films that he makes. Eric Kress is the DP from, he's a Danish DP and he's done smaller movies, lots of smaller movies. Um, he did the original Girl the Dragon Tattoo. And the last like thing that he did, like as far as American work, uh, he did this the second sequel to the Taken series with Luke Besson directing Taken 3. So he's got a really interesting body of work here, but he really does a great job of selling nighttime Korea, you know, Seoul Korea and selling this sure this this gloom of this small town that she's gone back to. Bear McCreary did the score in this. I mean, I feel like Bear McCreary works, gets, gets more musical cues in movies than anybody in this business. I used to always think that, that, that John Williams was in everything. And how can that guy keep working all the time? And, but no, Bear McCreary, I feel like he, I think he does. I think he works on, on movies while he sleeps too, or if he sleeps. Sure. He's just pumped into it. I think electrodes running from his brain. He's yeah. working while he's sleeping. He doesn't even know it. Yeah. He doesn't even know what he's doing. They're just coming out of his, uh, you know, sound waves coming out of his sleepy mind. Always. This one, if you have, if you've ever seen it, give it, give it a go. It's like, it's on Hulu. Um, and if you've seen it before, maybe listen, you know, if you listen to the episode here, go back and I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about it. Cause I, I, I feel like, you know, you and I are, we have similar tastes and, and for, for this kind of movie, and we have the same, not our, our opinions don't differ too much about it, about the things that we like and the things that were, that, that um, we, we feel may be shortcomings. I don't, I don't think it's just less shortcomings and more about, I think we both agree that the movie is a little too long, but with the, the, but I think the good stuff, the, the performances far outweigh anything that you would hang your hat on to why you wouldn't want to watch it again. Look, if you like the leads, didn't watch the movie. Cause yeah. I mean, really, they're not doing all that. I'm not saying that they're the only thing reason to watch this movie, but I'm saying if you like the leads, watch the movie. Cause you, you know, and then the movie, uh, look, I'm sure the movie would be, you know, other people who watch are going to have different take than I had or you had. I mean, but it's cool. It's one of those movies. It's not what you're going to, it's not what you're expecting it to be. It's not, um, it's not formula by any means. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not a good thing for the over, but for me, it was a good thing. I feel like maybe people weren't expecting what, but I feel like this is a movie that's gaining a cult following. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've told several people about it and they went back and watched it. And they're like, dude, that was fucking so weird. When did Jason make that? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't know. 2016 <laughs> apparently. Yeah. After we are the Millers. So uh, yeah, I mean, just check it out. I mean, if you're looking for something off the beaten path, it's on Hulu. And it's funny when you pull it up on Hulu, the thumbnail is the poster in Spanish. Yeah, see, I saw that too, and I went to play it. I'm like, wait, because because there's been other times where you pull up a movie online, on Hulu or Netflix, um, where they have a, a completely different Spanish version because the edit's different, right? Um, and it's and it's not just because you can switch things up and then and have a new overdub or subtitles or whatever it is you're looking for. But yeah, I, I thought like, wait, did I push the wrong button? <laughs> nope, me too. I was like, wait, wait a second. What? Oh shit. And then, you know, I just had to do, I had to read the span. Oh, she is a monster. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. That's what it's called. 
in Spain, I guess that's the Spanish title. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, that's, would that be the poster? Is that what it is? I mean, it's such a weird, random thing that it was there. I was like, oh, she is a monster. Gotcha. I guess that's, I guess colossal doesn't translate well in Spanish, maybe. It's funny. I, I think you know, I mentioned the, the, the differing posters and DVD covers and everything. I think a lot of people struggle with how to identify and sell the movie, not just the marketing guys when it hit no. the theater. And totally. I think it even when it hit home video, the people didn't know how to present the movie. Because if you're asking me to describe it in 10 <laughs> words or less, good luck. Yeah. I, I mean, like you pointed out right at the end there, I think seeing this, like this is my fifth time seeing it somewhere around their fourth or fifth time. I think this is something about the movie as a whole. Like you said, is it interpretation thing? I think I was sitting around asking questions about it after the fourth and fifth time that maybe that's good. Maybe, well, maybe it's nice that it's not all wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I usually enjoy movies that, that don't give me all the answers. I have to think about it and then I'll go back and watch and be like, okay, well, no, nope, I was way off. It's, this is what's going on or, or, oh yeah, I was on and, and there's all the, there's all the reasons why. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a movie, like I said, if you haven't seen it and you're looking for something cool, off the beaten path to watch, check out Colossal. You could do worse. A little, good little lead into to South of Heaven coming out soon. Yeah. And you get, so you get to see a little bit of Sudeikis dramatic turn before you, you get to see him really put it on the screen. And if you want to pick up a little something, you know, with Anne Hathaway in it, you can check out Shout Select just released Havoc about a month and a half, six, eight weeks ago. So if you haven't picked that up, you should pick that up because it's loaded with extras. There you go. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at Karate Pod and Instagram at Karate Pod. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Colossal on Letterboxd. That's Colossal. Or you can just find me at Tom Cody on Letterboxd, where I'm usually at. Uh, you can also follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on Instagram. Mm-hmm.